Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our word on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs You've got mail. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren and on the East Coast we have Mr. Dave Martino. Hey Al, how you doing? Yeah, good, good. See, no north. Awesome. No north, yeah, but we've just deleted it. We just deleted. That's one yeah, gone. too many words to say. It's way too many syllables. On a hot day, we don't say that. This is too much work. Oh. Yeah, too much work. <laughs> well, on the west here, we are in, uh, let's see, we're 91 degrees right now. Wow. Melting. Yeah, yeah it's going to be over 100 for the next five days. Oh. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'm staying inside. I don't blame you. You know, and, uh yeah. Whoever said it was cold in Canada. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Crazy people that say that, you know. <laughs> uh, just don't tell them. Uh, so now, speaking of hot, we've got an uh, Australian author today. Uh, so all the way from down under or up inside out or wherever, depending on what side you were looking at, we've got uh, Liz Butcher on the line. How are you doing, Liz? Good. How are you? Uh, good. Good, actually, you know. It's warm, it's sunny, hot, <laughs> you know. Uh, how is it down in Australia? Are you going into winter? You must be in winter now, right? We are, yeah. yes. Um, so it's where I live doesn't really get particularly cold, unfortunately. So it's about, I don't know, 16 degrees here at the moment. I'm in the T-shirt, so, um, yeah, clearly not freezing. No, no. But that's, that's, a, that's a good temperature, you know. That's... Um, it's like mild. It's in the that's mid sixties for the American listeners who don't know Celsius. <laughs> so that's that's actually a good good temperature. So, yeah. well, um, so here we go. Uh, now, 
Now, you've written quite a few books. Now you've got a new one that just come out called Never Never. Um, now, it looks like you're pretty much into kind of a psychological horror writer, or is that how do you classify yourself? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, more of a yeah, psychological horror rather than sort of slasher gore horror. Uh, I like messing with people's minds a lot more, so <laughs> definitely um, psychological. Yeah, well, no, that, that's good. So, I mean, you, so did you draw influences from people like Alfred Hitchcock, or, or is that kind of what people get if they buy one of your books? Uh, a little bit, also sort of, I guess, along the lines of uh, sort of Stephen Kingish, um, but I, I like um, lots of twists and turns. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know who else I'd be likened to, but. Um, yeah, if, if you like having to guess or not know what's going on, then, then you'd like my books. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah, but I guess you kind of said it right. You, you're not really into the slash and gore. It isn't about you don't. We wouldn't really get into the descriptions of, of the murder and the the bloodletting, so to speak. It would be a little bit more um, um, psychological, more Ominous. more of a mystery. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. Where do you get your influence from then? Like for you personally, if, if you didn't, uh, where does that come from? Like did you grow up with Mummy Darest or something? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't know. I've always uh, been fascinated by sort of the dark and creepy um, ever since I was a little kid, which probably sounds really quite strange, but um, I've always been fascinated by it and even when – um, I was in primary school. I'd, I'd go to the library and get books out on, you know, hauntings and um, paranormal phenomenon and, and whatnot, and scare myself silly. Um, so I don't, I don't know where it comes from. I guess it's just uh, just innate. And so when I started writing, um, I didn't sort of set out to say I'm, I'm going to be a horror writer or I'm going to be a specific genre. It's just I started writing, and that's kind of where I just fell into it. So I guess it was just natural for me to to write in that vein. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you you know, when you were a kid, you weren't, like, tying up animals or anything like that, were you? <laughs> no. Okay. No, no, no. no. Just, Didn't cross the okay. line. Okay. <laughs> I was just, you know, maybe, you know, you were, you know, something going on there, you know. It's like, we, we can call and get you some help here. That's, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Well, way. you know, we always like to be polite here. You know, we help out. Yes, no, it's very yeah. considerate. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 you know, so now you've done some books here. Now, so what got you... Um, okay, so you really like the horror. You're you're a kid. You're sort of into paranormal and sort of strange things, and that's great. But what actually gave you the um, I don't know the courage to actually write something and to let people read it or put it out? Was there some sort of thing that happened, or where did that come from? Yeah, I, it's kind of strange. Uh, so the first book I wrote uh, was Fate's Fury. But in saying that, that was sort of years um, <laughs> in the works. Uh, and it was literally just this idea that popped into my head and these sort of characters started forming and these scenes started developing and I was sort of undenied over it for about a month um, before I sort of thought, well, maybe I should put pen to paper and just maybe see what happens. It just, yeah, it was really odd how it kind of came about. Uh, and so, yeah, then I started just writing it uh, and it was very um, disorganized and very sporadic but um, 
yeah, and while I was working on that, I started writing short stories and they started getting published and that built up my confidence, I guess, to think that maybe I could actually publish a novel. Um, and, yeah, it just sort of went from there. But, um, hmm. yeah, it, it was really strange. It wasn't like I was, when I grew up, I want to be a writer. It just, yeah, the story sort of came first and then pursuing writing kind of followed from there. No, I understand that. You, you know, you mentioned uh, pen to paper. I was just wondering, are you more of an analog writer or a digital writer? I saw on your website you had uh, some 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 pictures of actually some, some pages where uh, some notebooks or what have you. And I just wondered if you composed um, with pen and paper or if uh, you composed completely in the digital medium uh, using a yeah, computer. Yeah, so um, with all my short stories and my first novel, Fates Fury, it was all done by hand initially, um, which huh. I guess I always thought was a bit double, double, double handling because then you've got to go back and sort of type it all mm. up. Um, but I've sort of trained myself to um, be a bit more digital, at least with the writing side of things. Um, but all my plotting and planning and, and everything like that is all analogue. Um, so every book, every project has its own sort of notebook and folder and pictures and whatnot. Um, so I'm very, I guess, old-fashioned sort of like that, but I just find that um, creatively, if everything's too digital, I find it stifling and I can't, um, I guess, work through mm. it. I need to have, yeah, the literally the pen on the paper for it to all, I don't know, sort of come out. Maybe it's just because I'm old. I don't <laughs> know, but, um, that's just how I work. And I thought it was really odd, but then I did um, James Patterson's masterclass and learned that he still does everything by hand. So that made me feel a little bit better about yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, 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 for some people too, I'd imagine it, it, like you were saying, it's not so, there's a difference of typing it into a computer rather than writing it on a paper, I guess. There's, it, it comes out different, don't mm. you think? Oh, absolutely. And I don't, I don't know whether other people find it, but sometimes just staring at a screen, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's almost like staring at a wall sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just yeah. not, not creative. Um, enough so but that putting your pen in your hands I don't know there's something magical about that I think it just it almost becomes an extension um, of your mind and it's almost like automatic writing sometimes it's just not even necessarily paying attention it's just the words just come onto the paper and there you go yeah well you know or is, or is that just me? no no I mean I say you know it depends what's on your screen too right I mean <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so no, you said pictures too. So, do you draw pictures, or do you have pictures of your, of the people you've murdered, or what? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be sort of um, you know, giving myself away a little bit. Wouldn't oh, it? that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to do that. Let's not do that. No, let's not do that. Uh, yeah, no images of of uh, different things. So um, sometimes, I'll, if I've got a specific idea of a character look, I'll have. Um, images of people to kind of put that together or um, images of places that uh, are going to be settings, if it's going to be a heavily visual um, type story, all sorts of things, uh, um, creepy pictures to set the mood, just anything that um, I just draw uh, inspiration from and it all gets kind of put in the one spot so it's all together. Hmm. Where do, where did those ideas come from? Like, do you, do you find that um, you're out shopping one day and you see something and it kind of comes to you, or 
you see a person or you see something that happened or where do they, where do, where does these ideas come to to you and and do you think you know why yes yeah, so it's a little bit of that uh just sort of walking around doing everyday stuff and an, an ideal pop into my head which um my husband finds quite creepy because <laughs> <laughs> like we'll be out shopping and I'll see something and then like, oh, but imagine if that had a knife and then this happened and he's like, you were just creepy. Just don't even tell me. <laughs> so I guess because I do write dark stuff that um, the ideas turned up very quickly when I get inspired at in public. Um, but other than that, it's sort of just dreams I have or, um, yeah, most, mostly just ideas that just randomly pop into my head. Um, mm-hmm. Not sure what that, that says about me. But oh, I see. <laughs> it's always the ideas. But best. you're walking <laughs> through the shopping store and uh... – and then you see someone, and you start following them around, <laughs> stalking them, seeing you know what do they drive and who who are they with, and do they carry a gun what? or a knife or like what are they doing, you know? Yeah. That, that's the good thing about being a writer, though. It's not called stalking; it's called research. Yeah, that's right. so, um, yeah. <laughs> great, great, great. Yeah, this is a uh, Australia must be fun. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, so so these ideas come up, but how do you know what you're going to choose? I, I mean, I, of course you don't know, but you hear, you get these ideas. Do you run with every idea you get, or is there some that you kind of go, no, this is, and stop and, and move on to the next one? Mm. Like, where does that, where, what, what is it that you decide that this is one that's going to work? So it's usually whatever's the most persistent at the time. So um, I've, I've literally got a box full of index cards that's, and every index card's a different story idea. Like I will never be able to write a story for all of them. Um, but it's just basically whichever one just keeps niggling at me, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I just get an idea and it just won't sort of go away. It's kind of like annoying, um, nagging you all the time to kind of pay attention to it. Uh, and that's literally just how I decide which one uh, is going to come up next. And then once I sort of decide to settle on that, uh, yeah, it all, it all just sort of forms and then I just go in from there. When uh, when you write, do you, um, do you – I hear voices. I mean, that's, that's what we talk about all the time. Yes. Do you hear the, the characters' yeah. voices in your head? Um, some people don't have an inner monologue, and I just find it – you know, I find that fascinating. But I was just wondering, do you have an inner monologue? Is it more that you're seeing images or symbols that you're transcribing? I hear stuff, and I and I transcribe, and I see some visuals. But I just wonder how that works for you. Yeah, definitely both. I definitely have the, the inner monologue that I hear, <laughs> which, yeah, again, people find a bit disturbing. Mm. Um, and I get visuals um, as well. Um, but the, the, the inner monologue thing has always fascinated me because I will be – doing something like um, I don't know, even reading a, a book or knitting or something mm. and I'll literally get this conversation sort of pop into my head almost like I've just picked up a, a phone and start listening into a conversation midway and I'm like, oh, okay, and then that's going to be included in the story. It's really odd how it kind of um, happens and it's, I don't know, I find it fascinating but other people find it Bit creepy, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, now, is, is is this the first husband you've had, or have you had quite a few? <laughs> yeah, just just the first one, one and yeah. only. <laughs> you know, going through the shopping mall and and you're and you're hearing voices and you're following people around, picturing them with knives. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's just 
kind of sounds a little different. Now, you said you have got two cat, two cats. <laughs> Are they still alive? Or yeah, yeah. I did have three, and one passed away recently. Oh. So now I've just got oh, the two. So but she that. passed away because she was old, not because I didn't. <laughs> to her, just to make that yeah, clear. Yeah, it's just like wow. <laughs> She's not scared to talk about it either. <laughs> I tell you, pretty open and free. Um, <laughs> okay, so so we get the little story and the idea. So the characters now, where where do you get them from? Um, again, they just—it's more like meeting someone. Um, I know that sounds so strange, <laughs> but usually the characters. <laughs> okay, let's face I'm just strange all over. Okay, I admit it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I don't really. It's still a lot of people sort of sit there with a the character chart and fill out. Um, you know, information about what the character is going to be. But I, I've always sort of found my characters sort of tell me what they're going to be like. Um, and then as I kind of get to know them better, I, I guess, uh, on paper fill out their characteristics a little more. But, um, yeah, I, it's really hard to explain. I don't sort of sit there and kind of go, all right, well, what's this character going to be like and, you know, how am I going to make them look? It's more just, well, this is who I've met and this is what they're like. Um, mm. but it sounds so strange when you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was, I was going to say, you know, you're, 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 you're doing quite well. I mean, you, you, you could run for president in, in the U.S. <laughs> it's going, right? Well, yeah, that's not saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and here as well, yeah. don't worry. I was going to say, you need to be in politics. You're hearing voices and getting to know people while you're knitting on the, and, and yeah, things are good. Things are good. Uh, they, they didn't, exactly. they don't let you get it done, do they? Right? So. No, so there's a silver lining wow. there. <laughs> I can I can see why, you know, it's just like a, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, meanwhile, me, yeah, a lot of writers in yeah. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, Dave, he's got like a whole twelve of them, and he's <laughs> like hearing voices in the basement. And, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I was trying to keep me locked up in the uh, the basement of the House of Mystery. Yeah, yeah, he's he's on yeah. the chain. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's the person you don't want to be alone with in a room. Yes. No. Um, yeah, absolutely. sounds like it. <laughs> so, but I just wondered now, though, your characters, do you use um, people you know, people you've met, or, you know, when you're out in the supermarket, you're in the coffee shop, are you kind of staring down people, listening to what they're saying and doing, and do you pick that up and kind of use that? Uh, maybe a little bit, probably not consciously, I don't think. Um, I've, I've never written a character based off anyone that uh, I know. Um, but I think part of being a writer is you do observe people's behaviour and things like that so that when you do come to write uh, a character, you might draw on that sort of, I guess, data collection that you've done, um, but not specifically after an actual person that I, I know, not at all. I know some people do, and some people base characters off, off themselves even, but um, like I said, I kind of, my characters sort of come to me in that weird way, so um, I guess I don't really need to really base them off anyone else. I've seen that you um, uh, write, uh, you know, short fiction as well as novels. Do you, do you feel that you're a, a natural short story writer or more of a natural novelist, or do you have a preference to which one you're doing? Or do you like them both equally? Yeah. I think I prefer novel writing now. Like the short stories were a great way to, um, I guess, develop some writing skills when I was sort of working through my first novel and just to, uh, I guess, 
build up some confidence and get some some work out there. Mm. Um, I mean, there's pros and, and cons to both. Yeah. And, and when I switched to novel writing um, as opposed to any more short stories, uh, there were things that I kind of had to work a little bit harder at because um, things like, I guess, plot development and characters and things like that, uh, you touch on a lot lighter and it's only a 10,000-word um, short story. Yeah. So um, when I moved to novels, I really had to spend a lot more time in the research phase, which I love anyway because I'm a total nerd, but <laughs> um, there's a lot more padding out involved uh, before you start a novel as opposed to a short story where you can you know, just have the bare bones and still have a really good story. Are you, are you, are you any of your characters? No. <laughs> I like at least not that I'm aware of anyway. I'm not consciously. They might have an odd bit of me here or there, but I don't, yeah. Well, no. I've just seen if you're maybe I the killer or something. We're just, we've got to, <laughs> we, we're going to have to cover all bases here because this is getting a little dangerous here. Uh, yeah, would you really expect me to tell you? If that was well, you're across the, you're oh, quite a ways away, so by the time the police got there, you could be, you know, it's not a big deal, right? <laughs> no, I'm just wondering that, but, but you must put yourself into each character, some of something. Don't know, I don't think so. Hmm. Uh, I'm just trying to think of all my main characters, but no, I don't really think that. Um... Like the emotions or the little, maybe little gestures or perhaps, um, how someone would act or react and or, or is it that you take characters that you like so the characters you do make them do are they people you'd like or you don't like or like kind of like well um, a little bit of both i guess I and mean, like anybody they've got um things you like about them and things that you don't particularly like about them but um i guess all my characters sort of really have been sort of independent of of me, at least to my knowledge, like I said, I mean, someone might read a character of mine and, and think there's a similarity or a connection there, but it's not something that I've actively sort of put into them. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of any examples where a character is like myself, but, again, maybe as a reader they might call me out and say, that's rubbish because this is exactly like you and I just didn't realise. Mm. So, um, I just, yeah, don't know. <laughs> Well, you were just talking about um, research. What does the uh, research process look like for you when you're when you're doing a, uh, a novel? Yeah, so I usually sort of start off with, um, I guess, trying to gather some imagery that matches what I'm sort of seeing in, in my mind. And I'll write down key points of um, sort of the idea. And then um, if there's, I guess, things that need specific research on, whether it be like a location or a time period or um, something sciencey or whatever, I'll go and research that and make notes on that and then do further research and I have to really rein myself in not to get sort of caught up in the rabbit hole of the internet because um, I am such a nerdy person and <laughs> I find things really interesting and get caught up really easily and end up on a massive tangent that's got nothing to do with what I'm actually going to be writing about. Um, but then I sort of gather all that information and then once I've got that, um, I'll sort of work on character research, sort of what their background is, where they're from and, yeah, I just lots and lots of research. Um, I like things to be, even though I write, obviously, uh, fiction um, and dark fiction at that, I like points to be factual where possible, if um, that makes sense, mm. so that it's not all just... Like, so it's realistic, but in an unrealistic story. Mm. Mm. Um, 
I couldn't imagine what your web browser looks like. But <laughs> you, do, do, um, what is the premise of your new book, Never Never? So what's kind of the, the base of the story? Yeah, so it's actually uh, a Peter Pan retelling uh, set in the here and now. Um, if you don't recall, the Peter Pan uh, character, Wendy Darling, she and her brothers were taken to Neverland by Peter Pan uh, in the original when she was a young girl. Um, and in my version, it's 25 years later. She's an adult. She's a detective. Uh, and she's still sort of dealing with the trauma of, the um, abduction that she went through when she was 15 at the hands of uh, this entity that she can only recall as Pan. Um, then she's got a, a death in the family, uh, all these skeletons start coming out of the closet, and a local girl vanishes from her bedroom in the middle of the night, much like she recalls happening to herself. Uh, so she demands to be put on the case. Um, that is essentially... Um, a, a trap this pan's trying to lure her back. So, yeah, that's the basic premise of Never Never. Hmm. So is that a personal story here or is that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I noticed it. You, you, so you, you said you, you're really um, into the paranormal and, and kind of things, strange things like that. D does that influence how you write as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, everything that I write, uh, ends up dark. <laughs> um, like I said, it was never a conscious decision to say I'm going to be a horror writer. It's just how I naturally um, work my stories. And even like Fate's Fury, I wouldn't say is a specifically um, a horror novel. It's got horror elements to it, but there's a lot of, lot of sort of mythology and action in it. So um, just the horror, the dark parts still find their way in. Um, I just, I can't help it. <laughs> I, I could never write a romance story, for example, because someone would have to get killed or, um, you know, or be haunted or, or something traumatic. So, yeah, I just can't do light and happy um, stories, unfortunately. When you write uh, very dark fiction, do you feel at the end that you need to decompress in some way? And is, is there a way that you decompress or do you find that you don't need to and you can just move on to something else that's the, just as dark? Yeah, I don't really need sort of the, the decompression time. Um, I just, yeah, literally just move on to the next. I'm not going to translate as scary to the reader because when you write it, it's, I find, because you know what's sort of coming, um, I, at least myself, I'm more conscious of the fact of making sure that it is going to be scary and take the reader by surprise because, um, yeah, like when you know what's happening, it sort of takes the fear out of it as the writer, mm. I find. She just moves on to the next body. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the next, the yeah. next victim, you know. Yeah, don't even wait for it to get cold. Just yeah, <laughs> she's out looking, looking for the next story. I'll tell you. Wow, that's a, a, wow, you've quite the life. Um, so never, never. Um, someone takes it home, reads it, and besides the story, you know, the abduction and everything that goes on. Do, do you have an underlying line theme there, or some sort of um, something that you want people to? to pick out of that that book? Yeah, um, most of my books do have that sort of underlying theme or sort of message. And with Never Never, it's sort of more about um, perception and manifestation, uh, sort of can you trust what your eyes are, are seeing and what your brain is telling you and what 
is real and what's not and one perce- one person's perception of reality is different to somebody else's um, and I guess all that sort of mind-bending thought process and, you know, what you put out there, you manifest um, even the horrible things. So that's sort of the underlying thought and theme to Never Never, whether everybody sort of gets that when they read it. I'm not too sure, but that's where that sort of all stems from. I'd probably get it if I could read, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's a problem. Um, where do, well, yeah. That's well, it. yeah. So where do you see yourself going then with this? Um, do, you, do, you like, do you really like the kind of horror, science fiction, fantasy sort of area, or are you going to go somewhere different? Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm pretty set here. Um, most of my books do have a, sort of a, a crossover genre, so I don't feel that I'm too limited um, in writing sort of the horror, dark fantasy Fiction. Um. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My second book, Maroon Manor, would be the only one so far I'd consider to be straight up horror. Um, Resident Fates Fury was a mishmash and Never Never is as well. So, I mean, that's um, horror, but it's also got the detective crime um, side of things and um, I just find when you're writing dark fiction, you can cross over with other genres quite easily. So, uh, like my next one that I'm working on is going to be sort of a lot heavier in the fantasy side of things, but still very dark with the elements of horror. So, yeah, I just I 
can't really see myself writing anything else. So I just hope people keep enjoying reading horror or else I'm in trouble. Mm. So it's kind of like your love story. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> I was wondering, do you have any hobbies or activities that inform your work that you draw from to uh, help you create story? I uh, wouldn't necessarily say hobbies exactly. Um, I do have a degree in psychology, which mm. I, I guess I do draw on quite a lot um, when working my stories. Um, and I guess that's yeah, a combination of my love of the mind and my love of scary things. Uh, so, yeah, but aside from hobbies, I mean, I I like to knit. I'm a, a grandma, really. Um, <laughs> but I find that sort of something that, is, that's one of those times where I get those kinds of um, conversations popping into my, my head. Um, so it's almost still kind of like working in so a way. So Grandma's knitting on the couch and she's getting ideas yeah. about who she's <laughs> going to stab with the knitting needle. Exactly, exactly. Hearing those voices chatting yeah, away. Yeah, talking away. You know, <laughs> you're sure you only had one husband? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so... As far as he knows. going to check under the floor. Yeah, under the floorboard. Yeah. It's one of those. So, yeah. so the fantasy part, where does the fantasy come in? So what does that, maybe explain that to some of the listeners. Uh, I guess it sort of changes from, from book to book. So it was never, never sort of more of an urban fantasy because we do have, you know, this entity that's clearly not human, um, which is Pan, um, and a lot of sort of what's happening around him you couldn't exactly call realism. So um, that, that's where the, sort of the fantasy element for Never Never comes in, whereas in my upcoming project uh, it's a lot more, it's a lot heavier with fantasy, so it's going to be world-creating and all that type of thing, different different realm. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of changes from book to book, the fantasy elements. It's not, um, I guess, the focus. Mm. Of my story so far, it will be in the next one. Um, but I mean, all writing really is an element of fantasy if you look at it that way. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, I, so, with the last uh, crazy year or two that we've had, um, has that affected your writing? Does it get in the way? Uh, no, it actually, the timing sounds awful, but <laughs> it kind of fell into place for me. <laughs> Uh, so I had been working uh, in a corporate job for about seven and a half years and I'd been uh, slowly reducing hours to start my own business as a ghostwriter. Uh, and so just before COVID hit, I was already in um, discussions with my manager to um, go on a six-month career break, which essentially means you – have six months unpaid leave to pursue whatever it is that you want to pursue. And if it falls through, you've still got a job at the end of it to come back to. Um, so that was already sort of lined up. So basically when COVID hit and all the offices shut down and we had to work from home, I worked from home, I think not even quite two weeks uh, before my leave kicked in. So uh, it didn't really affect me work-wise because that was sort of already my plan to, to do that, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I just I've been writing full time for yeah just over a uh, a year now. So 
I guess I was very fortunate. That was good of the job, too. I mean, because they give me a six-month to leave. I was going to go be a dancer, and it didn't work. So <laughs> I, I, I came, back to, came back to work because it just wasn't, you know. No, but I mean, with the, co- with the COVID um, and, and all of it, I just mean the dark things. When, when, the, when you're in a stressful event, so in real life, outside of, uh, you know, your home, so it's something really happening, you know. It's like there's all this stuff going on. Does that influence, or does that seep into your writing, so to speak? Does it? Do you think your writing gets darker? Uh, I've talked to some writers that say they totally get into fantasy and they get totally out of the real world. So, is do you find there is an effect that way on you? Uh, yes and no. I find that if I'm particularly emotional about something, that does definitely seep into. Uh, the writing, but I usually try and find a way to use that. So if I feel that that's going to be an issue, I'll work on something that requires, you know, a a heightened level of emotion or um, anxiety or or whatever and just try and feed that into the writing almost kind of like a therapy or or outlet. Um, But, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. It's doesn't happen all the time, which is a good thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I do try and, I guess, yeah, use that um, silver lining, I suppose. Well, you mentioned corporate jobs. Do you find that uh, having worked in, in, uh, in, in a corporate, uh, 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 doing corporate work itself and the deadlines and such, do you find that makes you a more efficient writer? No. <laughs> 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 I'd like to say that it does. Uh, uh, and that's something that I've really, really struggled with uh, the past year of writing full time is uh, suddenly not having the knowledge that there's someone constantly observing what you're doing yeah. and, you know, somebody watching over your shoulder uh, leads to procrastination, which has always been my Achilles heel anyway, but mm. it's much worse when you're your own boss and there's no one, you know, to I guess, hold you accountable except yourself. Uh, so <laughs> it's definitely a, a massive, massive issue, and I have to work really, really hard to uh, try and, and keep that at bay um, as best I can because I do find that if I'm working on something that I'm not feeling super connected to, um, I'll clean the house or go put some washing on or, you know, or do these things, and my husband will come home and he's like, oh, rough day with the writing, was it? <laughs> like, what makes you say that? <laughs> Whereas if, it, if it's a good day with Ray, he'll come home and there's literally like just the house looks like a bomb's hit it and nothing's been done. Uh, and then he knows I've had a productive writing day. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I agree with that too. But I, I sort of look to break up the monotony as well. I like to go back and forth uh, to, the, mm. to the wash or to the vacuum or something. I like to kind of um, take breaks. Yeah, I, I probably should take breaks more than I do when I'm not procrastinating. Um, but I find that when I'm having a really good run, um, I just I don't want to jinx it. Um, and so I'll just sit at my desk until that sort of that's all sort of come out, um, which isn't necessarily good because then you get a sore back and a headache and <laughs> like whatever. But um, I guess because I know my penchant for procrastination, I kind of don't want to. Um, put myself in a position where I've ruined a good writing streak because I've, I've taken a break and then got distracted and then procrastinated for two hours and then it's gone. Hmm. 
So what do you do for fun? Like what's, what's your outside entertainment um, when, you, when you get away from writing? Yes, I love getting out in, in nature. We love going to the beach or sort of walking through the bush or um, just getting out in some fresh air, especially when you spend 90% of your life at your desk. It's nice to, to go out and explore a little bit. And uh, my daughter loves going on. She pulls in the little adventures. Um, so we love to do that when we can. Uh, and otherwise, just the usual reading and writing I do for fun. I just – I. I don't know. I, I love writing. So even when I'm not working on something, I'll be doing something writing related somehow. Um, just because I'm, I don't mm. know, I, I'm a nerd and I'm, I like yeah. it. Well, yeah. no. It makes me happy. And so you're saying, talking about ghostwriting and stuff. Did, did, just, I guess ghostwriting really makes you a better writer in a way, doesn't it? Because you're kind of doing a lot of things for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it definitely makes me well I feel it's made me a better writer because I'm I guess exposed to things that I wouldn't naturally write for myself um so I'm exposed to different genres or non-fiction and different types of um writing projects so it really does expand uh your horizons as far as the writing is concerned and um it can be challenging as well because of the fact you're writing things that that I guess don't feel quite as natural to you to write um, what if you get something real? I love the challenge. What of if it? you get some really, really bad thing to write and you really can't stand it? And you think this is the worst? Have you ever had to have uh, do some ghostwriting for something you're really not into? You don't have to tell us, but if I'm you do, like, that's fine. Bad person, if I say yes. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. Yeah, we won't tell anybody. So just nobody. Oh, thanks, <laughs> just say just say the name, and, and we'll. <laughs> Oh, no, I have, I have had one or two projects that um, I didn't love uh, that I did have to really work at, and that's where the procrastination would really sort of kick in because I wasn't super keen on it. Um, but like I said, you work for yourself, you've got to, you know, put your head down your butt up and just get on with it like any job some days. Uh, and I'm just lucky that, you know, 90% of the time I love my job now, um, but you know, there's always going to be some things that you don't enjoy as much as others. I still have to get done, though. Mm-hmm. So, and wonderfully, you know, I'm, not, I'm not someone to half-ass. So even if I'm not enjoying it, I'll still give it 150. percent Have you ever? Uh, so who do you who do you think's just a terrible writer? <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst book you ever read? Come on, give us the names. <laughs> you won't tell oh, anyone. I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the name definitely came to mind as soon as you said Well, okay, so without, without saying the name, but is it someone that's fairly popular? So yeah. just how does that make you? Yeah, so just print the name and show it to me. No, um, um, but how does that make you feel then as a writer when, let's say, someone that you think, you know, it's just without being into the person, but just you look at the work and you go, oh, God, this is awful. But yet it sells really well. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what do you think of that? Like, what do you think the the secret to that is? Oh, it's bloody annoying. If I knew the secret, I'd be totally taking it on board. But, oh, I don't know. It is frustrating when you read something. This is such rubbish and everyone loves it and everyone's talking about it. And, but then, you know, you usually find other authors feel the same way and they're kind of like, yeah, that was so badly written. But I don't, I don't know. It does sometimes they just hit that 
little pocket that yeah the right leads into everyone the right needs. cover yes, or the, the right right, right, right subject yeah. or the right marketer or something that just yeah and it just goes mental and everyone loves it and then made into movies or whatever and... yeah I just I, well I had that with the with the <laughs> McNamara book um, that was they did HBO made a series. Um, about it was like about the Golden State Killer, and she was writing about it, and and I mm. couldn't get through the book. It was awful, awful. Yeah. Um, she's she's passed on now. She's dead, so she can't hear me. Um, well, not not <laughs> live anyway. She won't. Be. <laughs> no, but I, I, and it so much. I just didn't like the style, and I didn't like the way that. Um, she talked about her own life, but it was a huge hit, and everyone's saying, "What a good book!" and all this. I just, it just mm. sort of, it's sort of bizarre how that is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I always try and sort of just think, you know, each to their own, and and I, I don't like to, you know, belittle or discredit any other writers because I'm more about supporting people. Yeah. But it is hard when you, you know, you see the hype. You know, it's not something that I would normally read, but it's, you know, everyone's raving about it. I'll have a read, and then you sort of start reading it you think oh geez and it's probably worse as a writer because you are picking up on all the yeah i guess crappy yeah. writing you probably notice it more than mm. uh just a, a normal reader would so they can probably enjoy it without seeing all the things that are red flags for you as a writer so maybe that's what the difference is i'm, I'm not too sure but yeah sometimes i'll just yeah it, yeah it, well, yeah, because you, cause you, cause you're reading and you kind of go through and you kind of pick up things and you go, ooh, I wouldn't do that. Or, yeah, because you're looking at the technical part of it just as, as well as the story, whereas a lot of people out there wouldn't do that um, necessarily because yeah. they're not doing it. Uh, and it's the difference between a person that, that writes and a person that doesn't write. Uh, yeah. Know, how you go about it and you're reading a story and stuff like that. I guess that kind of makes it hard for you to to enjoy someone else's story sometimes too, or no? I think it does. Um, I've definitely become, I guess, a lot pickier as a reader since, mm. um, you know, becoming a, a writer as well. Um, and I've become a little, I've become a lot more impatient, I think, when it comes to, to books. Whereas, if if I started reading something that I didn't, you know, really love. You know, five, ten years ago, I just keep going anyway. Whereas now, I can't. If it doesn't catch me, sort of in the first chapter, I'll just be like, no, next, and start the next one. Um, probably also because I'm a lot more time poor when it comes to reading these days. That if I'm going to read, I want to make sure that I'm loving it. But um, yeah, a lot more impatient as a reader. I feel. Mm. Do you can you can you read books? So if you're writing right now, some some. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't read, I can't write, and I've been published 20 times. So I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys. You know, when, you, when I said it's for someone you can't believe that they've sold a book, I thought you would have said me, right? But that was kind of you not to mention me because uh, I would have said me. So, uh, but no, no, but I mean, when you're reading a book and you're, so you're in the middle of writing something, let's say you're going to write, you're writing never, never. So you're sitting there at home and you're doing this stuff. During the process of writing a horror book or a fantasy book, can you be reading someone else's horror and fantasy as well, or do you have to keep yourself clear? Yeah, I, I make a point of not reading anything like what I'm writing because I'm just I'm, I've got this fear that there'll be like a subconscious crossover or something. Um, 
I just don't want to yeah. do that. So um, if, if I'm writing one particular thing, I'll read something completely different. And even with my reading, I tend to alternate between fiction and nonfiction anyway. So um, that kind of helps. But, yeah, I, I definitely make sure if I'm reading fiction that it's something far removed from, from what I'm writing on just to kind of keep my mind separate on the two things. In the same vein, can you, um, can, can you listen to music? Do you watch TV in the background? Um, or, or do you need complete silence to work? No, I usually either have something on Netflix playing or hmm. most, most commonly I've got um, a podcast that I listen to um, that I'm nearly catching up on. Uh, it's a true crime podcast oh. called Morbid um, that I love. I love true crime, so I've usually got that. On in my ears while I'm, I'm working away, um, or it might be like a, a crime documentary or something. It can't be anything that's, um, I guess, entertaining as far as like a TV show or anything like that because I'll get too distracted and just start watching yeah. it. But if it's like a documentary or something like that, um, something factual that I can I can listen to that while I'm I'm writing and that I find uh, very conducive to my, my, my process, uh, or else just straight up music. I love listening to. Um, soundtracks uh, like um, for horror movies like Sinister and um, all those really good insidious like all those kind of movies I've got their movie scores on a Spotify playlist and just yeah that's it so um, you pretty much always have headphones on because I don't want to freak my daughter out so um, they just pretty much on my head all the time so yeah so I can see this she's knitting she's got um insidious music going on and she's talking to her voices yeah that's totally my jam you've just nailed it all in one (laughs) (laughs) and and i i just can't believe you don't rate romance um (laughs) missing my calling (laughs) well when when, so when do you ever look back at your older books that you've written and kind of look them over and read them again and kind of go well I wonder, it would, you know, would look back and kind of go, I would have done that different or I should have done that different or anything. Like, do you ever go back like that or no? Um, I did a little bit with my first book, which was a collection of short stories, so a lot of my early work, and uh, I do with that. I just think, oh, God, like, why did I publish that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, not, not, not that it's terrible, but I've, just, I've grown so much as a writer since then. But that's the point as well, I feel. Like if you're not growing as a writer, then you're probably not doing a very good job. Um, so I kind of make a point of once the story is done and published, uh, that's it. I don't, I don't go back over it. I don't reread it. Um, it's just it's, it's done and I go on to the uh, next one because inevitably you're going to nitpick the crap out of it, you know, a year or more later. Uh, and see everything that you would have improved, but you know you take take that on with the next book and make that one even better than the last. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree else, totally. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll you'll always be wanting to redo it. I mean, I just put my old books yeah. in the bathroom so people can use them for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I just um, uh, I cringe when I look back. But um, <laughs> you know, I've done well in Australia. I've had some really good uh, sellers in Australia. I do two crimes, so people love that. You guys like to kill. Yeah, true crime's awesome. Yeah. We, well, yeah, well, we're fascinated by people who like yeah, to kill. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well. we, we, we've had some pretty epic um, ones in, in our time. Yeah. But, yeah, mm. I'll say. Yeah, it's been a few good ones. Um, <laughs> now, so where do people come and find you if, if they want to uh, 
send you a note and say how much they like your book or how much they dislike it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm open to either. <laughs> they can find me on my uh, website, which is uh, Um or they can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under at Luna Love Liz. And I've also got a Facebook author page under Liz Butcher. Wow. Uh, we'll have that on our website as well. People can find you if they're listening, and they can go one click and find Liz and and send her a note. You know, uh, give her. Do you, yeah, come say yeah, hi. Do, do you like interacting with people, or is that like fans or non-fans or reviews? How is that okay for you? Like all of that? It's yeah, no, I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's great. I love connecting with people, especially in this day and age um, with you know, the COVID world. I think it's probably more important than ever to connect with people. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good thing. What kind of what's next for you? Have you got another one in the works? Yeah, I've got two. So I've got a, a novel that I'm working on that's sort of a dark fantasy called Sunrise, and then I'm also working on my first series, which is going to be a paranormal psychological thriller. Um, so working on on both at the moment. Well, in a series, it's kind of a a, a different thing, eh? Because you've got to keep your you got to keep track of your, your characters, right, and how you develop them. Yeah, it's definitely um, been a new challenge, which, again, I, I love a new challenge. Um, but it, it is different in the whole planning because, yeah, you've got the overall arc that's going to sort of carry over the, all the books and then sort of the individual stories for each one. And, yeah, it, it is a lot more planning involved, but it's just another excuse for me to get my nerd hat on and, and do all the research but um yeah it's going to be tricky i think but again looking forward hmm. to it do you, are you how you outline the whole thing like the series of however many books you're doing and then you're going to put it in or are you just sort of how, how do you go about that yeah i've sort of roughly planned sort of how many books i feel it's going to need uh and then sort of key points over each one um and i've planned out the entire first one um and then i'm sort of in two minds what to do next i've heard some series writers say they plot out every single book before they start writing the first one um that that's a better way to do it i'm just going to try i'm just going to find how it's going to work um yeah yeah, that's got to be a real interesting process because as you go through each book and each each storyline you've got to remember what the characters have done in previous books yeah, and I guess my biggest concern at the moment is if I go ahead and write the first one because it's all plotted out and then move on to sort of the next one and then I get sort of a, a new idea or a new plot twist that comes through and, and then I think, oh, that would have really been great to have some foreshadowing of that in the first one. Do you know what I mean? And then But you can't go back if you've already done and released the first one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still in two minds as to how that process is going to to look at the moment, but watch this face because it will happen. Mm. Well, you could always make the first one a dream. <laughs> yeah. If all else fails, it was yeah, just a they, dream. Yeah, they woke up in their bed and they go, wow, that was a weird dream. And then you can bring in, yeah. the, you see, that's great. You see, you can get an extra novel. <laughs> yeah. You figured it out now. I'm, I'm going to help you do this. This is going to be great. Um, <laughs> I'll be sure to credit you. <laughs> Have you ever thought of collaborating? Do you ever work with other writers? Uh, well, I kind of do with the ghostwriting, to be right. honest. Um, many of those are, are collaborations. I just don't get, um, I guess, my name on the book for it. But they are a lot of them are very much collaborations. So um, I'd totally be open to doing 
collaboration with another author where we're both on you know the front page or whatever um but yeah I'm, i do that all the time now daily with, with my work so uh I, I i enjoy it it's great um to bounce ideas off with another person or um help bring their ideas out into the open with a bit of clarity and it's sometimes it can be really challenging if you're not both seeing the same thing but for the most part i find it really great because you just get that quite often another perspective that you wouldn't consider uh, and it more often than not makes it for a, a better story. Yeah. I was going to say, because if you're not in the same, if you're not seeing the same thing, uh, the same image of what the, a character is or a story is going to go, it could be, it could be kind of strained or it could be a little difficult, but, um, mm. you know, but, uh, you know, you can just tell them, look, I, I'm the writer here. <laughs> I, I'm the. I'm like, usually a little bit more diplomatic than that. <laughs> I'm usually like, well, it, it's your project, and we'll do what you want. But this is where my thought process is, and I try and explain to them exactly how I'm seeing it, and then they still say no. Then you put your foot down and say, "Look, I know how to write. You don't." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like it's, it's your project. We'll do what you want. We'll but, do what um, you want. Yeah, that, that, that would be the difference. <laughs> um, I think working with another writer is that you would be both. Um, equally on the same page as opposed to being a hired ghostwriter where sometimes your hands are tied and you can put your best ideas forward and sometimes you've just got to bite your tongue. and. Um, oh, that doesn't work for me. I walk in the okay. room and everyone bows <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and I snap my fingers and they run. No. Well, see, most of my clients uh, live in different countries, so I, I don't have that benefit of walking to a room and everyone It's all done online, unfortunately. But they could do it on Zoom. Same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe I should start demanding that as part of my That's rate. right. You know, put in the contract, have your people talk to my people. Yeah. and Yeah. I'll sign your NDA if you film yourself yeah. out down. Thank you. Yeah, don't call us. We will call you. Uh, yeah. Man. Well, it's been a great interview, and we really appreciate it, and uh, we've learned so much. We've learned that Australian writer Liz Butcher actually likes to sit in her chair and knit, listen to heavy metal music, and talk to yes. talk to voices, and out of exactly. that comes these great books, and the newest book is what we've sort of focused on, or all sorts of writing, but our newest book is called Never Never, and uh, our guest, Liz Butcher, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Liz. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! How dare you? If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.